welcome to the Apex Church Podcast. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning and what a joy it is to be with you and continue this great Christmas series, The Greatest Gift. Of course, we know the greatest gift given to man, given from God the Father down to us on earth is his son, Jesus Christ. Unto you is born this day. How wonderful is that? I love Christmas. Well, every year at the Cameron household, there's a time of festivity, of fun, of family, great time of reflection, love having my two boys around the table, Phyllis, my wife, and I, family, just having a good old time. It's not only about the food, it's about the time that we have together, the connection. And what connects us as a family and naturally connects us spiritually, because the Bible says that we've been adopted into the family of God. I also know that Christmas can be a very challenging time for many people. It's, it's the loss of a loved one. Uh, for us this year, my sister-in-law, Linda, she passed away. She loved Christmas dearly, and we will miss her, and we do miss her. My dad passed away several years ago. He loved Christmas. I tell you, when we would gather around the table, and we need a big table because we're a, we're a big family, and he would sit at the end of the table. He, often he didn't say much. But he would be watching, observing, looking at us all, having a great time, interacting together. And the smile on his face, I I can still visualize it now. And often when we would be exchanging gifts, my dad would wait until everyone had passed their gifts, done their things from the oldest to the youngest. Well, actually youngest to the oldest, I should say. And then dad would disappear. And he would come walking in, laden with gifts for everyone. It was almost like he just waited for his moment. And what I used to love observing once again and watching with dad is he made sure that everyone was treated equally. No one got a gift that was more expensive than another. Yes, perhaps some boxes were big, some were smaller, but but he made sure that everyone was treated equally. I think that's very important, especially if you've got young children. But one of the things that I've discovered in life is this, especially when it comes to to your children, that you love them equally, you treat them equally, you bring them up the same, but there's one area that you can't treat them the same, and that's when it comes to the area of discipline. What do you mean, Neil? Come on, those of you that have kids, you know exactly what I mean. You can have two kids in the same home, brought up the same way, but they respond differently to discipline. That's why a good parent knows how to deal with their children as individuals. So we love them unconditionally, but we may discipline them differently. And that's what I love about God. God is a good, good father. He loves you. He loves me equally. He's no respecter of persons. He loves us unconditionally. But I've discovered this in life. He disciplines each of us differently. 
And you may say, well, Neil, why have you brought that up? Well, the context of what I want to read to you today, and please forgive me, it's a, it's a long reading, that I just want to bring out uh, a few different thoughts, uh, observations, in this incredible story of how God deals with individuals differently. The reading is taken from Luke chapter 1. I'm reading from verse 11 through to 20. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Stay with me. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Jump down to verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly, greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The events around the birth of Jesus did not begin at Bethlehem with Mary, but at Jerusalem with a priest called Zechariah. Here in Luke 1, we are made aware that the angel Gabriel appears to him. He's been praying, we're told, for a long, long time because his wife was barren. The angel of the Lord appears and the prayers are about to be answered. And the angel Gabriel says, good news. <laughs> I love that. Good news. Listen to these things. The, your prayers have been answered. You will have a son. His name will be John and he will be great. Well, I think if I had been praying for a long time and suddenly an angel appears, I would be getting excited. 
What does Zachariah do? He immediately begins to question the angel of the Lord. How could this be? I, I'm old. <laughs> and then he throws Elizabeth under the bus. And my wife is well advanced in years. And Gabriel responds to him. Now, we have the beautiful words in the Bible, but I want you to use a little bit of sanctified imagination right now. Gabriel appears to him, and I can imagine Gabriel going, Really? I'm the angel of the Lord. I stand in the presence of God, and I'm here to bring you good news, and you're questioning the word of God? Here's what he says to him. You're going to be quiet for nine months. Gabriel then appears to Mary a short while later and says these incredible words. Mary, you're highly favored of God. You're going to have a son. His name will be Jesus, and he will be great. Does that sound familiar to the message that Gabriel brought to Zechariah? Mary asked the same question, how can this be? But instead of Gabriel saying, wait a minute, you're going to be silent for nine months, it almost seems like Gabriel, Gabriel comforts her, gives her the information that she will be foreshadowed by the Holy Spirit, the Immaculate Conception. And Gabriel comforts her with these words, go and see your cousin Elizabeth. Same angel... Same response to his message, but it seems that they're disciplined differently. Let's take a few moments just to look at this because this really got my attention because there are a couple of observations that, that I sort of take from this that I hope will be an encouragement to you. You see, for Mary, Elizabeth's pregnancy was to be an encouragement to her that what was thought impossible was now possible. You see, Elizabeth and Zachariah and their story of the birth of John was part of this incredible narrative, part of this great story that Elizabeth and Zachariah, they get to be an encouragement to Mary at a time when perhaps she's struggling, she's confused, she's wondering what's going on, she knows what the people of the town are going to think of her, and she needs people in her world that are going to cheer her on. She needs to see living proof that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that he, we can ask or even think. Mary's observation and looking at Elizabeth is an encouragement. Elizabeth's pregnancy with John is an encouragement to the mother of Jesus that, listen, what God said he would do, he is able to do. And that's why I believe this is so important for us today, that we are people that bring encouragement. Why? I believe every Sunday in our church services, in our church pews, all around us as we gather, there are people just like Mary that perhaps are going through things, dealing with difficulty, dealing with challenges, dealing with struggles. They need a word of encouragement. They've perhaps had a difficult week, lots of things to overcome. They don't need negativity. They don't need criticism. They don't need people to pull them down. They don't need doom and gloom. 
They don't need people that are questioning, is God able? They need people that are going to say, listen, we're with you. We're in agreement. We, we are believing that God can do whatever you require him to do in your life. That is the gift of encouragement. People that are able to say, greater is he that is in, in me than he that is in the world. Look what the Lord has done. We need the gift of the right people in our world, just like Mary needed the encouragement as she looked at Elizabeth and saw that if Elizabeth was pregnant in her old age, then with God, nothing would be impossible. The gift of the right people in your world. The Bible says that one will chase a thousand, that two will put, listen to this, 10,000 to flight. My friend, that's the power of right connections. That's the power of agreement. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. I've discovered in life, we get more kicks than kisses. We need people in our world that are going to lift up our weary hands, that are going to pat us on the back, that are going to come into agreement in prayer and believe for our breakthrough. Fast forward to Acts chapter 9. Saul is making, he sets out for this Damascus. He's breathing out threatenings and slaughters. He has the incredible, what we call the Damascus Road experience where he encounters Christ. He then comes back to Jerusalem. He's hated. He's feared. He's the most friendless man in the city. He's got the blood of Stephen on his hands. I tell you, that's not going to make the church news. Apostle Saul, now called Paul, wants to join the church. The disciples in Jerusalem, they're skeptical. They're fearful. They're afraid. Can he really change? Is this just a trick? Is this just a trap? Paul's discouraged. And he needs someone to connect him to the disciples. And the Bible says there's this incredible man called Barnabas. Barnabas is the son of encouragement. That's what his name means. God connected Paul with a Barnabas to encourage him in these moments to connect him with the other disciples. He offered a hand of friendship and he rejoiced in God's saving mercy. All of us, you need, I need, we need a Barnabas in our life. Someone that's going to be a connector. Can you imagine if we can unlock the door for people of purpose to go through? That's why then in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul says these words, I didn't skimp or trim in any way. Every truth and every encouragement that could, that could have made a difference to you, you got it. I love that. Every encouragement, you got it. Why was Paul an encouragement? Because he knew the power of encouragement that he received through Barnabas. And here in this story, this incredible Christmas story, we read that Zechariah was meant to be an encouragement to Mary. But Zechariah doubted, fearful, Afraid, questioned, how could this be? 
And then I have a, another question that I began to ask myself. Why send the angel to Zechariah? What do you mean, Neil? Well, think about this. Gabriel comes to Zechariah, the father, but then a few months later goes to Mary, the mother. You would have perhaps thought it would have been to Elizabeth, the mother, and Mary, the mother, or Zechariah, the father, and Joseph, the father. In fact, I'm pretty sure that Joseph would have preferred to have known first. Come on. I imagine that he would have been quite thankful if perhaps he'd been made aware of the situation, that he could get to grips with it in the spirit before Mary was made aware. I wonder why this happened. Well, remember how the pregnancies come about. Mary, we know, was the immaculate conception. It was of the Holy Spirit. But in Elizabeth's situation, it happened the, the old-fashioned way. What do I mean by that? When it comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth, God opened her womb. She was barren, the Bible says. God opened her womb, but then Zechariah had a responsibility. He couldn't just step back and say, well, I'll just pray and leave it in the hands of God. And I think that's what a lot of us do often. No, he had a responsibility. It's what I call the gift of involvement. God did his part. He created the possibility, but now Zachariah had a responsibility. What does he do? He immediately excuses himself. Listen, I'm old. He discounts himself. He excuses himself from taking the responsibility that God has given us. My friend, God's answer to your prayer often requires action on your part. We're praying, we're believing, and let me say clearly, I think there are times that we need to pray and, and leave it in God's hands because we're not taking responsibility, we're interfering. But I also know that there's a lot of times that we pray and then nothing happens and we get upset with God and God's looking down with us and saying, wait a minute, I've made a way, I've opened some doors, I've made some connections, but now you've got to walk through the door. Now you have a responsibility. We see that all through Scripture. Moses, I'm going to open the Red Sea. But you have got to stretch out your arm. Joshua, the walls of Jericho are going to come down. But you've got to walk around those walls and you've got to shout. The man at that pool of Bethesda, he had been there, he had had the sickness for 38 years. What does Jesus say to him? Pick up your bed and walk. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus says to them, where is he? Take the stone away and remove the grave clothes. In other words, I'm go God is going to do his part but for all of us, this story tells us that we have a responsibility. Why? Because often God's answer requires your action. We want God to heal our body. Well, maybe some of us need to change our diet. 
We're looking for promotion at work. Well, are we being faithful? Are we being consistent? Are we turning up at time? We want to stop the bad habits, the things in our life that are not helpful. Well, maybe we need to get some accountability around us. We, we need people to cheer us on, but we need also need coaches in our life, people that are going to point out things that are not helpful or beneficial to what is going on in our world. You see, we read through this, this story that not only do we have the gift of encouragement, but we have the gift of involvement. And I love that. You see, Zechariah wanted to just pray and step back. Zechariah had been believing for a long time in prayer, but when the answer to the prayer came, he wanted to just look around him. Well, how come this? I'm old. My, my wife, she's, she's getting on at years. How can this be? I don't know how different from the response that Mary gave. And perhaps, my friend, in this Christmas season, that you've been praying and believing and longing and asking God to, to move in your life, move on your behalf. There are things in your world that, that need to change. And Neil, I've been praying for a long time. Maybe what will unlock the miracle in your life is that you need to do something. And God's really been challenging me in my prayers. There's a lovely scripture in Joshua 7 that I love here. They've just uh, taken Jericho and there's a small place called Ai. Joshua says, we don't need to send all the men, just send a few. We should take this very easily. But, but they were defeated. If, if you look at it, it was because of the sin of Achan. Different story, different time we, to go into that. But Joshua is down praying. God, why has this happened? What is going on? You know what God said to him? Joshua, get off your knees and fight. Joshua, get up and deal with the situation. That maybe sounds a little bit harsh. But sometimes we want the prayer to remove the situation, the problem, the challenge, whatever is happening. When God is actually saying, wait a minute, I'll make the way, but you've got to do something. And maybe, my friend, this Christmas season, this beautiful time of the year, that God is speaking to our heart. And just like God spoke to Zechariah, God is speaking to us and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to move. I'm going to answer your prayer. Something significant is going to happen, but, but I need you to do something. It's the gift of involvement. And I love this. Because in this incredible story, God is saying, I'm giving you the gift of your story. Think about this. Zechariah was told that his prayer had been heard. But when you study it, <laughs> He says to Mary, God chose you. Mary never prayed for a baby. She wasn't praying about pregnancy. Zachariah was praying, then doubting or expecting God to do everything. In fact, it, it goes even deeper than that when it comes to our story because I've discovered this, that when someone is pregnant, you don't immediately see the signs. You're aware of, you may be aware of the pregnancy, but it is as the pregnancy goes on month by month that you begin to see the different obvious signs that something is happening. It all comes down to how do we respond in the waiting? 
when it seems to take a long time, when we don't get an immediate breakthrough, when we're still believing for the miracle, and perhaps we're only seeing signs along the way, can we respond in praise and adoration and glorify God that what he said is done and we don't need to wait to see the results before we worship him? In fact, if you look at the, the scripture there, you discover it's verse 64 before Zechariah actually begins to praise the Lord. He's been silent for a long time. I know that. But all along the way, there were clear signs Elizabeth is pregnant. You see, God is looking for those who can praise him in the waiting. I haven't got my breakthrough yet, but I'm praising God. God is working it out. I'm praising God. I don't need to see a sign before I can shine. I'm praising God. And you see, listen to this. Zachariah was an old man. His words, not mine. He'd been around for a long time. He knew the things of God and the working of God. Mary was a teenage girl. She is just starting out in life. Zechariah, the seasoned priest, should have been the one that immediately responded to the good news and the message that was brought by the angel. He's an older saint. He's an experienced saint. He's been around the things of God for a long time. If ever there was someone that should have got it, it should have been Zechariah. But he responds differently to how Mary this teenage girl responds because Zachariah says, how can this be because I'm old? Mary says, how can this be? And then when Gabriel explains and says to her, she says these incredible words, let it be according to the word of the Lord. Same angel, same message of a child. Different responses. What do we learn from this story? My friend, things happen in our life that we can be an encouragement to other people. There are times that we pray that God is looking for our involvement because he's given us that gift to be part of the story. Being part of the story means that we can rejoice in the good times, the bad times. That's what I love about seasoned saints. Let me say this. I love to hear when, when people will get up and tell a little bit of their story. I, I love to hear the freshness and the vibrance of, of someone that's just come to Christ. It, it's incredible. The good news of someone receiving the greatest gift. But I've got to also say to you, my friend, I love to hear the testimony, the story of an old seasoned saint. Good days, bad days, up times, down times. Being aware of his presence, wonder where God is. Times it's easy to praise him, times that I've got to push through to praise. But the testimony of a saint that says, but all through my journey, I have seen the faithfulness of God. And perhaps in the midst of this Christmas season of the greatest gift, you can be an encouragement to someone. Perhaps there's someone that's downcast right now that you can be the means of lifting their spirit. Perhaps you're dealing with a situation that God is saying, come on, 
You've prayed. I've heard your prayers. Now you need to do something. Or perhaps not even seeing the signs, just aware, just believing, just trusting, you say, I will bless the Lord. Let it be according to your word. You're here, my friend. You're listening to me. You've been challenged. You don't know Jesus. Your heart is not right with God. Would you pray this prayer? Would you open up your heart to receive the greatest gift? Not doubting like Zachariah that God can move on your behalf, but just like Mary saying, I believe and trust your word. The Bible says, those, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you need Jesus, would you pray right now? Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but you are a Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of sin. Make me a child of God. And make me part of this family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mom, Dad, you're praying for that prodigal son to come home. That prodigal daughter, that child that's not walking with God. You've prayed and you've prayed. I want you to understand and believe and trust that just like that father, he did something. What did he do? He made sure there was a fatty calf. He made sure that there was robes and sandals and, 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 and rings, things that were prepared because he knew his boy was coming back home. I tell you, he, he was watching and waiting, but he was expecting something to happen. Perhaps you've, you've prayed and you're saying, when is my child going to come back home? We're believing that this is going to be the time that you are going to see your prayers answered. And let me encourage you. Let's praise God. Good times, bad times. We put our trust in Him. Thank you.